The Democratic primary debate was yesterday, and the candidates barely touched on pot. That's why we're giving you a guide to each candidate by cannabis policy and looking at why cannabis is one of the biggest issues at stake this election. Light a joint, get your voting ballots ready, and welcome to the Canicast. First off, let me apologize for the delay. I'm still experiencing family issues that take precedence in my life, but I've got a great show for you today, and I've got next week's already queued up. Also, since I'm on the road, the sound quality might not be the best, but we're endeavoring to make it as good as possible. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Canacast. All anyone seems to be talking about on the news is the presidential race. And it's our civic duty here at the Canacast to let you know which primary candidates have which opinions on what cannabis policy should be. We're covering the top 10 candidates on pot policy, and not just looking at what they say now, but what they've said over the past 30 and 40 years. Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont has more than supported cannabis legalization. He's been a staunch proponent. In 2016, Sanders was the first candidate to endorse cannabis legalization, and in 2015, even solo sponsored a bill to have cannabis removed from the Controlled Substances Act. More than 20 years ago, Sanders co-sponsored a bill to legalize medical cannabis at the federal level, and on four different occasions, Sanders voted in favor of amendments to protect states that legalized medical cannabis. On his campaign website, His policy position is that he is seeking an end, once and for all, on the destructive war on drugs, including legalizing marijuana. Sanders is a full-on advocate for cannabis legalization and has been supporting medical cannabis for years. In fact, if elected, Sanders has said that he would use an executive order to legalize cannabis at the federal level. Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey is, and has long been, an advocate for full legalization on the federal level, and in fact has been an extremely loud voice against the war on drugs. It is crazy for the federal government to be behind the states, uh, and and now with Jeff Sessions threatening the states who've already moved to legalize uh, marijuana. I'm hoping that we can get a bipartisan support Uh, for the descheduling of marijuana, and frankly, for the incentivizing of states looking to heal states and to help people that still are struggling five, ten years after their marijuana-related charge uh, who are struggling to get a job. And every time they have to apply, they have to check a box about – they literally have to check a box confessing to being caught for using marijuana while their legislator – might have used marijuana, might have joked about using marijuana, there's no consequences. That hypocrisy has to stop. Booker is actually the chief sponsor of the Marijuana Justice Act, a bill that many other presidential candidates have become co-sponsors of, although he was the original. The bill would end federal cannabis prohibition by taking it off of the Controlled Substances Act, as well as begin the work of expunging criminal records for those prisoners that are guilty of nonviolent cannabis offenses. Booker also tweeted this, States have so far led the way in reforming our criminal justice system, 
and it's about time the federal government catches up and begins to assert leadership. Booker has even gone so far that he has advocated that the federal government should withhold funds for states that enforce cannabis laws unequally, dealing with the racial bias that was the basis for Nixon's unwinnable war on drugs in the first place. Senator Kamala Harris Senator Kamala Harris of California has had an interesting record with cannabis, even from her time as the Attorney General for the state of California. Harris has been fairly conservative in her treatment of cannabis legalization, in that she hasn't overtly worked against legalization, but hasn't been a proponent or even given leniency for cannabis users. During her time as Attorney General for the state of California, she has sent over 1,500 individuals to state prisons for low-level cannabis offenses between 2011 and 2016. Harris has also said that the Proposition 19, which would legalize recreational cannabis in California, was, quote, flawed public policy, although she wasn't alone in criticizing the highly controversial legislation. This was actually the very point that made the spotlight when Congressional Representative Tulsi Gabbard, who has now dropped out of the race, attacked Harris for her record towards cannabis and her ill-fated interview in which she laughed at her Republican opponent's support for cannabis legalization. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg, the gay mayor from South Bend, Indiana, supports legalization and has made it one of the pillars of his larger effort to reform the criminal justice system. Buttigieg is not only interested in legalizing pot, but looking at it in context, noting that his goal in dealing with cannabis is to legalize marijuana and address the harmful effects of its criminalization. Being off the national stage until he announced his candidacy, there are questions around whether this is truly his stance, since he has no serious record on the subject. Buttigieg has supported reversing the harmful effects of the war on drugs, but the importance of the issue seems at best minor to him. He hasn't taken much time and focus to address the subject, although he has spoken once or twice on the matter. Julian Castro Castro has said that he supports legalization and the expungement of criminal records as a candidate, but during his time as housing secretary under Barack Obama, he enforced rules for federal housing against tenants, and since cannabis is considered a Schedule I drug by the federal government, even if tenants had prescriptions from doctors, they still lost federal housing. On social media, Castro has vocally supported cannabis legalization, but has been mostly quiet on the national stage, as well as on his campaign website. A quick search doesn't pull up a mention on cannabis as of this podcast going out. Congressman Beto O'Rourke Congressional Representative Beto O'Rourke has seen the impact of the war on drugs firsthand and has made this experience a focus of his campaign. O'Rourke has sponsored legislation that attempts to push cannabis out of Schedule I status and has been very public about his support for legalization. With Texas on the border, 
With Texas on the border with Mexico, O'Rourke has had tons of experience with drug dealers and drugs flowing across the border and has seen the full weight of the damage from the war on drugs. In an email from 2014, O'Rourke said, As a rational and humane country, we can decide, as we did with alcohol, that the harms in the prohibition of marijuana far outweigh any gains in security and in our efforts to keep those drugs away from our fellow citizens. Much like Cory Booker uses his first-hand experience in Newark to back up his criminal justice reform, so too does O'Rourke. For both of these candidates, the stakes are very real, and they have a very strong interest in seeing laws changed so that they can end crime and suffering in their districts. Senator Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota Senator Klobuchar hasn't introduced any legislation herself and also hasn't been very vocal about her positions on cannabis. Klobuchar appears to not directly support legalization, but does seem to lean towards the idea that states should be allowed autonomy on this issue. Andrew Yang Businessman Andrew Yang is an absolutist on cannabis and fully supports the legalization of cannabis at the federal level and wants to remove it from the controlled substances list. He also wants to expunge the federal convictions of all marijuana-related use or possession charges. Not only this, he has also been advocating for nonviolent drug offenders so that they can qualify for probation or a potential early release. Plus, the Yang Gang are selling shirts on his website with the words math, money, marijuana in bold letters. Probably the most forward indicator of his stance on the issue. Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren has been out front on many issues. Student debt relief, Wall Street regulation, etc. But on cannabis, she's bitten more than she's barked. Although she doesn't speak about it at the forefront of her campaign initiatives, she has acted with great tenacity to reform how the federal government deals with cannabis. Recently, she's changed her tune to be the lead sponsor on a bill that would make cannabis an exception for federal interference in states where it has been legalized and would change the current banking laws to allow cannabis businesses to use banks, reducing the risk to businesses for theft and violence. Warren is the lead sponsor of this bill, along with Senator Cory Gardner of Colorado. She has also co-sponsored legislation with a different Cory, Senator Booker of New Jersey. In fact, she sponsored seven different pieces of cannabis reform legislation. Although she was slow to start and even decided not to endorse her own state's legalization efforts in 2016, she has quickly pivoted into a major supporter of legalization and beyond. This includes the banking initiatives I mentioned, and also expunging records for federal inmates who were convicted of a nonviolent cannabis-related offense. Last, and possibly least, former Vice President Joe Biden. Former Vice President Joe Biden is probably the most viscerally anti-cannabis of any of the candidates. In 1989, Biden accused President George H.W. Bush of being soft on crime because Bush's bill wasn't harsh enough. During Biden's time as head of the Senate Judiciary Committee in the 80s and 90s, 
Biden not only supported the war on drugs, as well as mass incarceration, he wrote the laws that helped make the United States the foremost nation in prison population. He was also a part of writing into law, mandatory sentencing, pushed mass incarceration, and put into place tougher sentences for crack cocaine versus powder cocaine, a measure that disproportionately and unreasonably targeted the African-American community. Joe Biden's plan to deal with cannabis is also one of the worst of all candidates. In Biden's plan, he would turn pot from a Schedule I substance to a Schedule II substance. This would place cannabis on the same level as oxycodone and fentanyl, and would place cannabis as a drug, substance, or chemical defined as drugs with a high potential for abuse, with use potentially leading to severe psychological or physical dependence. Under this plan, regulation of the cannabis industry would be placed under the FDA. This would not only make enterprises and businesses where cannabis is legal at the state level illegal, it would also mean that pharmaceutical companies would have major leverage over small businesses and communities looking to build on cannabis, since the barrier for entry to the cannabis industry would become so expensive and so high that pharmaceutical companies could simply starve out smaller competitors and create a monopoly on the supply of cannabis. And those are the candidates, but stick around for a moment. Cannabis law touches more than just your ability to spark up in your living room. Its roots go into the pharmaceutical industry, agribusiness, the war on drugs, criminal justice reform, personal liberties, banking, and global finance. Cannabis is a new frontier, and what we do as it opens will have tremendous repercussions going into the future. Although it may not seem this way, how we end cannabis prohibition is going to have a major impact on the next several decades of legislation. Electing someone who ends cannabis prohibition will open up doors that should have never been closed, and may provide the oomph to start changing the other major problems in the U.S., we can't deal with our overcrowded and corrupt prison system unless we first take a look at how cannabis can release hundreds of thousands of nonviolent offenders who were convicted of something they never should have been arrested for in the first place. We can't deal with the disturbing realities of the opioid crisis that has been engineered by pharmaceutical companies so that a select few individuals could profit off the pain and destruction of people's lives sometimes at their most vulnerable moments, without first looking at how cannabis can become a medical staple in our treatment of pain, epilepsy, cancer, and dozens of other afflictions. We can't deal with the disturbing lack of accountability that large agribusinesses have without first making sure that the opportunities that cannabis can bring to millions of entrepreneurs and small businesses isn't stifled by corporate-written legislation that would reserve the right to profit from cannabis for a select few, that can then force out every other competitor in a monopoly created by bills sponsored by Big Agra. Regardless of who you vote for, make sure that you do vote, and you make your voice heard. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Canacast podcast, and as we enter this election cycle, remember, there's no can't in cannabis. If you want to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode, we're on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. 
If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Patreon. We really appreciate it. Link in the description. And as always, let us know what you thought of the episode and of the show. Comment here, send us an email, or tweet us at the Canna Podcast. Keep it tuned here this and every Friday for the latest in cannabis. Thanks for listening, and remember, there's no can't in cannabis.